Welcome, welcome everyone to the Call to Action podcast. I am your host, Eric, alongside one of my very good friends, my co-workers, Jeremy. Jeremy, welcome to our first ever podcast. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be on this thing. It is finally here. Uh, it's been a while. We've talked about this for quite some time, and uh, I'm excited to get started. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. We look very official with our whole soundboard, our couple mics, couple headphones. We look like we actually know what we're doing. We may look like we know what we're doing, but we clearly do not know what we're doing. Absolutely not. <laughs> we're, we're lucky we're friends, because if, if we weren't, we would have nothing to talk about. Yeah, we've gone through uh, several rehearsals, I guess you could say, of, of this and uh, this is what we came up with. So Yeah, this is the best one you're going to get <laughs> for the first week. This is all you're going to get. We've been working hard at this, and I'm proud of us for sticking and, and really wanting to make this great for all the listeners out there. But it's going to take time, and I think this show is going to evolve, and I'm excited for it to evolve, uh, and, and we'll see where it goes. But yeah, for right now, we're winging it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once we get the, the brand off the ground, kind of, we, we really want to introduce this to you guys as as a interactive podcast we want to get your thoughts on where we should go with interviews with different types of segments and different things like that so we really want to be as impromptu as possible i guess yeah we have a twitter account already established at call to action we hope that people follow that we hope that you obviously subscribe to this podcast uh, five star reviews are much appreciated yes and absolutely welcome. And uh, we, we want to get this thing off the ground because this conference, we need to tell our story. And who better than to tell our story <laughs> than us two? Yeah. <laughs> the two best people to tell it, for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, I, I've been here uh, 16 years, so yeah, I have some I mean, history. Yeah, I don't know why I'm on this thing. Well, <laughs> because you have a, a face for radio. Yeah, that's you're right. Why. You're right. I can't do TV. And, and that's where you belong, so mm -hmm. we have you on the mic. And thank you. You sound great, by the way. Oh, thank you. You too. It, but. So, but, but, we, but all kidding aside, I've been here for a long period of time, uh, started in sort of your SID-type role, uh, press releases, statistics, um, website kind of handling, all that stuff when I first started, and now that's trans transitioned into a... Uh, overseeing all of our digital and social efforts. And what falls under that is this podcast. And it was one space that we are not currently in. Uh, so so let's let's do it. Let's make some history. Yep. I mean, I guess I should introduce myself too. Uh, uh, I came to the Mac a as an intern three years ago and, and was lucky enough to get hired on handling, you know, some website stuff, some statistics, and then uh, doing all the stuff that Jeremy didn't really want to do. Uh, as he was talking about transitioning into more of the social uh, part of the part of the gig, but yeah, I'm excited to be a part of this, and and we'll see where it goes from here. It will help you grow doing my yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it really builds character. That's for sure. I mean, look where I am. Yeah, who wouldn't want to be in your spot? Exactly. Sixteen years later. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So one day you could be like me if oh, you play your cards yes, right. Yes, can't wait. You do a great job with my work. Yes, yes. I, I, really I, I take great it. pride in your work that you do. Yeah. You you are the one who <laughs> does my work uh, when there's mistakes. And yep. when you do it right, that's my work. <laughs> I guess that's how it should be for... For, for the time being. For, for those interns going around, I guess that that's a sense of pride, you know? If, yeah, if, if you, you want if to... If, if you do it right, it's someone else's work. I guess this is a good time to plug if you ever want to volunteer for one of our championships oh, nice. you're more than you're nice. welcome to. Nice, because uh, we'll we're take always credit for, for whatever you whatever you do. Yes, 
So, Jeremy, who who are a few people you'd really want to have on this thing? I mean, is there anyone in particular that you're interested in having? Uh, like a wish list per se? Yeah, sure. Give me uh, give me your maybe top top three guests you would want to have on. Well, I think for starters, since I, I'm all, I'm a big football fan, I think Julian Edelman. If uh, Jules, if you're out there, you know, hey, give us a ring. Give us a ring <laughs> anytime uh, to hear. How he started at Kent State, and, and the rest is kind of history. You yeah, know, absolutely. Our only uh, Super Bowl MVP, only Mac student well, athlete to ever be. Super yeah, until MVP. I come out of retirement. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, and then we, uh, someone I think, I, sort of in sports, but not playing sports. Uh, I think someone like Ali LaForce, who mm-hmm. is a uh, former Mac student athlete, played ba- played basketball at Ohio. Uh, to just hear from her and her journey and how she got to where she is now. She was just on the opening night NBA yeah, game. Yeah, it's really taken off for her. It's been awesome yeah, to watch. Yeah, for the, the Clippers-Lakers game, there she is on the sideline interviewing Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James and all the people that she gets to talk to. So I think that would be really interesting. And then I think, you know, it goes without saying, but Commissioner Steinbrecher. Mm, of course, of you, course. You got to hear from the big man and – uh all that he has going on, not just in this office, not with our institutions, but on a national level, to to hear from him is is something that I think a lot of people will get some great insight when Absolutely. they hear from him every uh, you know every time that we try to have him on. Uh, what about you? Uh, you know that I mean that's a great question. I I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give a kind of cliche answer here. Of course, of and course. say <laughs> I think I'm gonna say just uh, our student athletes in general. I mean I think we have so many interesting stories to tell from uh, everyone across our our twelve you know membership schools and as well as uh, other institutions. So I think the the different stories that we have can really you know, help personify who we are as a conference and, and really give a, a different side of stories to, to who we are. Yeah, it might be a cliche answer, but it's a great answer. That's why oh, we're doing thank this. You. Thank you. That's yeah, why a- we're doing absolutely. this. At the end absolutely. of the day, all the all those famous alums, mm-hmm. uh, those are great. And I think that'd be great for this podcast. But we're here now. We want to tell our stories of our institutions. Like exactly. you said, we want to talk about these student athletes, what great stories they have and not really focusing on what they're doing on the field or on the court, but what what they're doing off. And, yeah, and everyone has a story to tell at yeah, the end of the day, and yeah. we and we want to we want to pursue those stories, and I, we think that's what makes this podcast awesome and and ultimately a fun a fun venture for us. That's why you should subscribe. And five star review. Yes, five star yeah. reviews. Uh, and and then I think uh, another thing I just want to touch on is just the overall structure of how this thing's going to go. Uh, trying to do this uh, twice a week, probably Tuesday, Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And then we will open it up with some of our witty banter and uh, always provide an interview for you guys. I think in this conference, like we just touched on, there are so many people that we can talk to yes, over absolutely. all of our sports, and that's what we're going to aim to do. It's uh, It's something that we're always going to have a story to tell, and I think that's what's going to be so fun one of the major fun parts about doing this. Yeah, and we also touched on how involved we want you guys to be with this. So if you have any suggestions, obviously Jeremy and I are both new to this as well. So if you have any suggestions of of certain topics you want us to touch on or or things like that, obviously we're going to have some segments, hopefully some reoccurring segments, I think would be fun and and keep things interesting. So if you have any ideas, we'd, we'd love to hear them. So feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. 
Yeah, so with that, uh, who is our first guest? Uh, I got a surprise for you, my friend. I think we're going to be joined by none other than uh, Dr. John Steinbrecher, wow. commissioner of the Mid-American Conference. Already crossing one off my bucket list. Yep, exactly. We oh. want to kick things off with a bang. So with that, enjoy our interview with Commissioner Steinbrecher. We are now pleased to welcome on our first ever guest on the Call to Action podcast, Dr. John Steinbrecher, Commissioner of the Mid-American Conference. John, thanks for being on with us today. Hey, it's great to be here. We're, uh, we see you're all suited up. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I thought you'd walk in here with the, the pirate outfit on. It <laughs> would be a good, good first thing to uh, bring in the podcast, right? Maybe next time. <laughs> well, we, we plan on you being a, a reoccurring guest, so we'll, we'll count on it next time. With with the with the pirate and with the fly the flag, tell people how that came about. You know what? One of the things uh, I strive for among our membership is uh, that we work together in all things, uh, and it's one of the challenges of uh, of running a conference. You have a, we have a unique business model when you really think about it. I have twelve institutions. I have coaches who are dependent, then you could say their livelihood's dependent on beating the person who's sitting across the table from them when they're in the boardroom. Yet at the same time, we've got to get all these people to work collaboratively together to raise, essentially the raise the ties, to raise the boats for everybody. And so what we want is we want our folks, when we're playing non-conference competition, it's us against the world. And we want our, our student-athletes thinking that way. We want our coaches thinking that way. We want our fans thinking that way. And so five, six years ago, I started just doing a little internal thing. I came up with this logo, the, you know, the, the Mac Jolly Rogers. You probably helped me with it. And it was I was going to send out a little uh, pirate flag to, to our football coaches every time they won a non-conference uh, football game. And just a little note, congrats, hey, fly the flag. And so we did that for three or four years. And I said, you know what? Heck with this. Let's, let's do this publicly. Let's have some fun with it. And it, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. We did some fun videos uh, that were well-received, and I hope we continue to do some of that stuff. And it's, uh, you know, a year ago, we were if you were paying attention on ESPN's College Game Day, you saw the flag flying at each of the game days, wherever it was across the country. If you go to our tailgates at our institutions now, you'll see that thing flying, and uh, it's become a point of pride. And again, it's one more thing that we can do to work together to celebrate our successes. Yeah, that, that video that we've done that we did with you, the pirate video is is definitely my favorite video of all time. Absolutely, of anything that's come yeah. out of this office, uh, that that was, it's still I, I still watch it back. Yeah, uh, you have it. You're you're on Twitter forever with that thing. <laughs> It, it had a big reach. Yep, absolutely. Well, I hope we can continue to do those yeah. types of things. When did you decide, I want to be a commissioner? <laughs> or, or just, you know, yeah. what was that process? It was never uh, as I was wanting to go down the path of being in intercollegiate athletics administration. Uh, being a conference commissioner was never on the bucket list, uh, at least initially. I wanted to be a director of athletics, mm -hmm. and so I really tailored uh, my whole plan of attack is I want to be an AD. Um, I, I, as I entered college, I, I thought I was going to be a history professor or a lawyer. I was a poli-sci history double major. And then after a year 
of, of, I was a student athlete. My dad was a director of athletics. He had just completed his first year as director of athletics at Valparaiso University. And so I had a, a year to watch what he was doing. And it's really when this whole world of intercollegiate athletics administration kind of opened up to me, I never really thought about that there's people behind the scenes that make this stuff happen. And I said, boy, I think I'd kind of like to do that. And so then I tailored what I did from there on out to, I want to be an AD. And, you know, changed my majors, ended up being journalism, physical education, double major with a business minor, then go to a master's in sports administration. Then I go do a doctorate in higher education and physical education. And boy, I'm ready. I'm going to go golf and work at some schools. And hopefully one of these days, maybe be an AD. Well, I wasn't able to get a position. I, I just could not get a job for a period of time. And so what I ended up doing, there was a conference based in Chicago called the Mid-Continent Conference, which was a Division One league. Had people like uh, Valparaiso, Western Illinois, had what was then called Southwest Missouri States, now known as Missouri State, had Northern Iowa. Northern Illinois was a, a member in that time period and, and some others. Uh, and uh, the commissioner reached out and said, hey, I, I don't have a salary line for you, but I could put you to work, and uh, you can get some experience. And so I commuted from northwest Indiana to downtown Chicago for a year for free to get my foot in the door, and it was, it was really a, a, a neat experience. It was a very small office at that time. There were only like three or four people, and so I got to do everything. And the next year they created a position, and then four years after that, when the commissioner left, they did a national search, and I was fortunate enough to be selected as commissioner. I, at that time, was the youngest Division One commissioner in the country, and it was one of those good news, bad news things. The good news being, once I'd gotten into the conference world, I'd set my sight on, well, one of these days, I want to be a conference commissioner. Well, five years later, boom, I'm a conference commissioner. I'm 32 years old, and I now have university presidents and athletics directors looking at me to provide leadership for the organization. Right. And you sit back and go, boy, I don't have a lot of experience. <laughs> so what do we do? Well, you just dig in and you grind and, you know, you, you surround yourself with good people and you listen and you study and, and you work. And that's really how I ended up in the conference world. It was not, that was not the, the initial goal, but it's, you know, it's kind of like the, 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 the path not taken. You know, mm -hmm. go back to some Robert Frost poetry here. <laughs> you know, you end up going down a, another trail and it opened up some marvelous doors, and I've, I've truly enjoyed being in the conference world. Speaking on opening up some doors, what initially attracted you to the Mid-American Conference job in 2009? You know, it was, uh, I was flattered to receive a call from the, the search firm that was involved in it and who asked would I be interested in taking a look at it. And, and yes, I mean, it was a chance to move into the FBS world. I'd been at uh, the, uh, what, used to be called the one triple a mid-continent conference non-football playing schools predominantly or at least the conference didn't have a football championship then it was at the ohio valley conference and the fcs world and again really good experience there well the next step on that food chain is is being in the fbs world and um didn't know if i would ever get that chance or not mm -hmm. and so it was interesting to look at it's it was a group of schools that for for many many years i've always admired I think from outside looking in, you look at the Mid-American Conference, and it does so many things correctly, and it has its geography correct. It's a stable group of schools. Uh, they, they really 
do some nice things. And I thought, boy, that'd be a great group to work for. And so went through the process and was, was fortunate to be offered the position. And, and here we are and have never looked back. It's, yep. it's, uh, it's really been a great thrill and a great privilege to, to lead this organization. I'm going to put you on the spot here, though. What's been your favorite moment on the field and off the field? You know what? There's, there's so many things you can point to because we've had, if we look back over the, the past decade, so many neat successes we've had, whether it's winning national championships in, in soccer, um, going to the College World Series, uh, multiple teams in volleyball, things like that. One of the things uh, that, that s- sticks in my mind is um, when I got the call from Bill Hancock, and this is back in the BCS days, uh, I got the call from Bill Hancock that Northern Illinois was going to be invited to the Orange Bowl. And they, we did it a little differently back in those days. Today with the CFP, you don't find out till it pops right. up on the TV screen. Yep. Back at that time, they'd give you a little advance warning. Mm-hmm. And so I got a call about 3 in the afternoon that, hey, Northern Illinois is going to the Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then it was my privilege to put a phone call to John Peters, who was the president at Northern Illinois, Yep. and uh, say, would you be interested in accepting an invitation wow. from the Orange Bowl? Yeah. And, I, I mean, I really it was very emotional awesome. for both of us. It was, And you got to remember back to that time, they'd just won the football championship, but they'd also just lost their coach, so it had been a really yeah. tumultuous 24, 48-hour mm-hmm. period. Lots of highs and lots of lows in there. And then for this, which was such a marker for our conference, and we – let's go back to that as well. We went into that game – and Kent State was undefeated and ranked higher than Northern. Uh, and we, we knew if Kent State won, we would end up with a team in the Orange Bowl. We, didn't, we weren't particularly confident that that would be the case with Northern Illinois. We weren't sure what the pollsters were going to do. Yeah. And so to get that, it was a real affirmation of the quality of the league, the football in this league. Um, and it really set, set in, in stone for us that – we can be pretty good. And it was, again, affirmation of what we talked about. If we do these things, we have good teams. We've been knocking on the door before. We just haven't finished the process. Well, here we did it. And, and so I, I think back to that moment with, with a, a, a great deal of pride, and it, that's going to stick with me forever. Yeah, that, that NIU-Kent State championship game, too, was probably the be- one of the best we've ever had. What was it, double overtime? Yeah, double OT. Yeah, yeah, it was just, uh, just a, a lot on the line. A, a great, yeah. great, it was everything you wanted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a great, great game, and it, it capped what was a, a really, really great season for the Mid-American Conference. I, I do mention off the field too, and one thing I know you're very proud of is our pi- that we're pioneers here in the conference of initiatives such as mental health awareness, diversity and inclusion, highlighting what our student athletes have to go through day in day out. I know that's so something you're very proud of. Speak on all those things and what we do off the field. Well, it's an offshoot of what we try to do philosophically. And that has been to engage our student athletes um, on a lot of spectrums. And we've worked very hard to uh, bring the student athlete voice into our governance system. We elevated what was called the Conference Student Athlete Advisory Committee and made it one of our councils, elevated it to a level with the Council of Directors of Athletics, senior administrators, faculty reps. We want their voice in the room 
to be part of the conversation, to help guide where this conference goes. And so one of my early conversations, I, I took a trip around the league and visited all the, the student athlete advisory committees and asked the question, where is an area where we're coming up short, where we're not paying enough attention? And what came back from that was mental health area. So, wow, hadn't thought of that. And so we put together a working group and spent about 18 months digging into that. We had student athletes, we had administrators, coaches, uh, 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 doctors, mental health experts, et cetera, all involved in that. And what came out of that was ended up being the first conference-wide mental health program uh, across the NCAA. And it really involves setting some, establishing some best practices, establishing what our minimum expectations are. And then, you know, yearly, we're kind of rolling on to that year after year. We, our annual mental health awareness week, our, our annual mental health uh, symposium, uh, things like that. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's getting people to remove the stigma associated with mental health issues and understanding that we need to treat mental health challenges just the same as we do with physical challenges that if I'm dealing with anxiety or depression it's like dealing with a knee issue or an elbow issue or a shoulder issue because we know for our student athletes to be as good as they can be they've got to be all there physically they've got to be all there mentally and and so a lot of education goes into it a lot of resources have been put into it and making sure we provide the avenues for assistance for our student athletes for our administrators our coaches and then what we've learned from that is it's, it's this isn't just a student athlete issue this is a student issue in fact it's a it's a it's a public health crisis uh, our presidents would talk to the fact that mental health issues are one of the leading reasons why students don't return to school and so they're looking for ways on how can they bolster the services that are offered to students in general. And so it's something we need to all work together on, and we've seen it. It's exploded across the country. And so you know, what I'm proud of is, yeah, we were on the front end of it. That's great. What I'm really proud of is we asked the question, we listened to our student athletes, and then it grew from there. Well, I think that's so important. You talk about like the execution of, of the whole initiative in itself. I think Jeremy and I have have the pleasure of going through our, our Twitter and stuff on, on those type of weeks. And we see just all the initiatives that, that the schools, you know, take pride in. And, and the ta- the Taking Action initiative is, is so awesome to see just come through a, a thread on Twitter. I think it's great to see it actually implemented throughout our campuses. Well, and, and again, we've, we've, we're about highlighting our student-athletes. So for the last couple of years, we've had the, the student-athletes kind of take over Snapchat and mm-hmm. do some videos on you know, what's a day or a couple of days in their life like, from getting up early in the morning and getting to practice to figuring out a way to grab a bite while they're running to class, and then they've probably got some more training or various other things. And, and what is their life like? And it's, their lives are very dynamic. Their lives are very hectic. Their lives are very full. Um, and I'd say one of these days when they look back on it, they'll say, you know what, that was a pretty great time, yeah. but, but they're programmed, uh, yeah. 18 plus hours a day. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. I could, hopefully on this podcast, we get a lot of those COSA reps or sa- members of SAC to see and shed some light on more of these issues and you know, how they feel about them and, and what they do on campus. And I think that's something we're definitely going to try to highlight in, uh, 
other episodes. You talked a little bit about, you know, being a student athlete. You know more than most people what actually being a student athlete is like playing two sports in college at Valparaiso, tennis. You're a tennis singles champion, I believe, in all conference as a sophomore uh, on in football. Mm-hmm. Um, just talk about those experiences a little bit and, and how that shaped you to be who you are. Well, when you look back, the, the experiences were great. While you're going through them, they were challenging. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, well, I, I grew up in and around sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my father was a coach at one time, ended up being an athletics director. Uh, I had a family that in, encouraged or provided opportunities to be in sports and be in all sorts of sports. You didn't specialize in those days. So I played everything. And in high school, I was a three-sport athlete. In college, I got to be a two-sport athlete. I was fortunate they allowed me to do that. So I played football and played tennis. So I played really the ultimate team sport, which is uh, like moving an army when, you, you know, it's very regulated and regimented and all those types of things. And then played tennis, which is very much an individual sport. And, you know, the trips are much, much more low key. And, you know, you're hopping in the yep. van and heading and, you know, that kick, hey, coach, can we stop and, and, and grab something to drink or something, those sorts of things. So they're really contrasts. And, and that's become valued, valuable to me later in life as I've kind of thought about leading an organization and dealing with different sports. But uh, I've always found that I was, well, I played sports year round. So I was a better student in season. I was in season all the time because yep. you had to be, you had to be on your toes. You had to keep up with things. You had to keep a tight schedule. You know, you didn't waste time. Uh, and, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I had some success on the field and that was good. Uh but uh, I just learned so much. You learn how to deal with adversity. Absolutely. Uh, and not only to deal with it, but how do you pick yourself back up? It's, it's easy to win. Now, it's not the process, but, you know, everybody's patting you on your back. What do you do when you're, you're not winning? And you got to dig deep and you got to continue to want to work harder and do all those sorts of things. And you learn a lot of stuff through that as well. I couldn't think of a more odd combination than football and tennis i mean I, i'm <laughs> the only student athlete in valparaiso university history really? to play that combination wow. fun fact right there yeah. do you have a do you have a memory i know eric mentioned you did win a singles championship is there outside of that something that sticks out in your athletic career when even before college a, a moment in athletic anything from when you Back in the day, Here, here's a couple moments I would I would point to. Clearly, uh, winning a singles championship was was uh, um, that was exciting in tennis. Uh, I had always been a, a pretty fair tennis player, but I'd won very few tournaments. Uh, I'd get to the semifinals, get knocked off. Get to the finals, get knocked off. To to win that that was a, that was a real capstone, and I enjoyed that. In football, I have a, a funny memory. Uh, I was a wide receiver, and it was a homecoming weekend, and we were playing Evansville. And uh, it was a tight game, and it w- we're in the last minute of, of the game, and we're down like five. Or, and uh, we call this play, and it's basically you're sending three people deep. I was on the right side, and someone was on the left, and then the tight end's going to go up the seam. And it was intended to go to the tight end up the mm-hmm. seam. Some reason they covered him. They throw the thing to me, and I'm thinking, well, what the heck are they throwing it to me for? And so I catch it, and I dive for the pylon, and I don't quite get there. But everybody thinks I scored a touchdown. Yeah. My brother 
who's in school at the time, he kind of manned this cannon they had for whenever the team scored. Well, he shoots the cannon off. (laughs) Premature. Exactly. (laughs) They end up putting it back on the one, and we score anyway. But that was always kind of fun to me. You know, one of my neat, neat um, experience in sports, I would go back to, I think it was 1994. It was the year Valparaiso uh, really became the first Cinderella in the NCAA basketball tournament. And they – they knocked off Ole Miss on that shot you see yep. that every yep. every year right. at Bryce tournament Drew. time. Yep. Bryce Drew, yep. you know, I'm the commissioner of the Mid-Continent Conference, and Valparaiso is a part of it at that time. My dad's the athletics director at Valparaiso University, which is challenging to do that, by the way. Uh, we can talk about yeah, that. We'll, we'll we talk should, about that later. <laughs> but uh, so I'm at the game, and, uh, you know, they hit the shot, and it's like, oh, my goodness. And uh, I enjoyed a hug with my father. Uh, on the court after that and that that that's again one of those special memories that'll be with me the rest of my life yeah that's one of the most iconic moments in you know march madness history like you said you see that every year and it never gets old one of those moments that never gets old we uh we are actually hosting cleveland's hosting the first and second rounds of the men's ncaa basketball championships this year what what excites you about that and and well we first off uh I like bringing people to our home. We like to show off Cleveland. I think we've got a, a, a great palette on which to paint a picture. Mm-hmm. We have wonderful facilities here. We have wonderful uh, people to work with, partners. Uh, and then I like it for our staff. Uh, they're fun things to do. They're a, a boatload of work, but they're outside the norm. And so I think everybody gets juiced up a little bit to work on these things. They're a wonderful professional development opportunity. And I think we've learned as a staff by hosting so many of these things. I think this will be the eighth or ninth uh, NCAA championship event we've hosted in the past decade. I think I've one of the things I've brought is I said, let's get very aggressive and see how many of these things we can get. And so we've done a number of, of basketball. We've d- just, you know, we're a year away from a wrestling national championship. We've done three bowling Yeah, I was going to say, we, we did bowling last year, and it was just a great experience. I mean, it just kind of gets you out of your comfort zone. I absolutely agree. Exactly. So, uh, and it's a way for us to give back to the association. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of wins here for, for all involved. And so I'm looking forward to eight teams coming to town us putting on a really good show in terms of the hotels we have, what there is to be offered in the city, uh, whether it's restaurants or Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or other things that people might want to do. And, uh, again, it's it's just flat-out fun. And then we're looking forward to 2024 yep. when we have the Women's Final Four here. And that'll be, again, uh, a, a big blast for all of us to, who will be involved in it. Yeah, I think there's – one thing that we all agree on is what we do really well here is put on our championships and put on events. And then when we're able to do that on the national stage and show off what we're able to do, you know, for this conference and for other teams that come into play, it's it's a tremendous opportunity, like you said. And, and it's one that we really take hold of, and we like showing what we Absolutely. can do. <laughs> well, and you hit on it exactly. Championships are a core function of a conference office. Yeah. It's what we do day in, day out. We spend a lot of time on it. And so it makes some sense that we ought to be able to translate that uh, 
to, to NCAA championships. And I think that's why they like partnering. They know we've got a little experience in it. And then I get back to the partnerships we have. The partnership we have with the Cleveland Cavaliers, with what used to be Quicken Loaners Arena and now is Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. You know, again, we have a facility that maybe, if it's not the best in the country, I'd like to see the others that they think yeah. are better because with the rent, it was, it was very, very good before, but coming off of this two-year renovation, it is unbelievable. So we have a stage we can set that's going to provide just an unparalleled experience for the fans and for the student-athletes. That's great. So some things that uh, we have found out, getting on the personal side of Commissioner here, a uh, big holiday coming up, one that I think you have a, a huge interest in, and that's Thanksgiving. Yeah, Heard, heard that uh, you prepare the entire Thanksgiving dinner. That is uh, probably my favorite holiday, uh, and it's largely because of how the sports calendar falls. Uh, in and around Christmas, it seems like we're running all over the place with, with bowl games and basketball and just stuff, and it's always hard to get the family together, or it has been. Uh, Thanksgiving, we'd always had a fair amount of success in getting our family, my wife's family, together, and I enjoy cooking. And so, yeah, I cook you know, I'll do the turkey, I'll do the ham, I'll do the sweet potatoes, I'll do the mashed potatoes, and we'll have corn, and we'll have peas, and we'll, I make a very, very good gravy. Um, <laughs> I make uh, the apple crisp, I make the pecan pie. Wow, uh, we have, getting hungry. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> we, we have quite the feast, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, I, I enjoy serving in that way. Uh, for, for years, we'd have about 30 people. Uh, probably won't be quite that large this year, uh, but that's I, I I really enjoy that. I remember when you hosted the Christmas party, you made the uh, apple crisp, and that was my my first time ever having it, having it, and it's world famous. It should be world famous, I would say. I do that well. <laughs> yeah, this commissioner thing doesn't you know yeah. work out. You can you can sell that apple <laughs> yeah. crisp. You know, uh, my mom does the same thing. She cooks you know for all of us. Do you enjoy after you cook all that? Because I know my, my mom seems like she's running around all day. Do you actually enjoy the meal once you're done, or are you just like seeing everyone else enjoy it? You know, it's probably I enjoy seeing other people yeah. enjoy it. Uh, I, maybe that's part of the, 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 the code or whatever you develop by being in a conference. We're a service organization. We're here to service our membership. I enjoy that. And maybe it's the same way in my own, my own life. I enjoy that kind of service component or doing things and seeing others enjoy that. And, and so I really, and that's the part I enjoy is just sitting back and watching people have good conversations and, and enjoy the food and just enjoy the day. Well, I think one of the golden rules of Thanksgiving is that if you cook, you don't have to clean, right? So that, <laughs> well, that, that, does that, does that ring true? Well, I'm fortunate. My, my wife is usually very helpful in and around that. And, and, and my cleanup duties are more often than not minimal. <laughs> that's good. That's good. What, what is your favorite Thanksgiving? What's the, what's the dish? What's your go-to not to make? What's your favorite to, to eat? Gosh. That's that's a good question. Toughest question we've asked. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. I mean, okay. yeah. That's a I mean, it's a staple, right? But you got to make the gravy from scratch. Yeah. <sighs> and then that's that's and I you got to do some things with the turkey when you're cooking it and I put certain things in there and it uh, it's taken time to perfect. I uh, I make a pretty good gravy. Mm -hmm. So Jeremy, what would your favorite meal be? Oh man, that's tough. I mean, mom puts out some great food. Uh I think what she makes that I really enjoy is these sweet potatoes, and they have, like, this crumble 
topping. I don't know if you ever had like yeah. apple pie with like the crumble oh, topping, man. but it's like sweet potatoes with that on it. What uh, that that would have to be my favorite. Yeah. What about you? Well, I don't know. I think we used to go, always go to my grandparents. So uh, my grandma used to buy pies from the store instead of actually instead of making them but now we just go to my house so my mom makes homemade apple pie mm, nice. and like we get ice cream and if you just warm it up just right it's really really good um you get to travel a lot obviously you're on the road most of the time throughout the year what are what are some of your favorite places in the conference to travel and then maybe someplace outside the conference where you like to go you know what? What I really enjoy doing is finding that uh, hole in the wall place mm-hmm. in, in various communities to to grab a bite or connect with people and doing those types of things. That's that's what I really enjoy. What's neat is we have twelve member institutions and they all have really great, unique things about them. Their communities have those, and they're all proud of the various things they have. And so that's uh, that's the best part of being out and about and seeing those, learning those. Uh, we just had a uh, council of presidents meeting and our, our fall council of presidents meetings is hosted by one of our member institutions. We were just at Ball State's campus. Mm-hmm. And so the president there was our host and he took us around and he took us behind the scenes and, and the, the real, the, the geothermal plant they have, which is really, really unique and, and is doing marvelous things. Um, getting into the David Letterman school and showing us some of the things behind the scenes that's part of the David Letterman collection or having, uh, they have this student group there that they have uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 people apply for that they select 40. And they put on a small performance for us. Seeing stuff like that is just unbelievable. And then when I'm just traveling at large, uh, you know, we were going down to, uh, I go to one or two non-conference road games a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we was going down to see Eastern Michigan play at Coastal Carolina. And so it, in part because Myrtle Beach is one of our partners. And so wanted to spend some time with them, but flew into Charleston and we were driving up to, to Coastal, to Myrtle Beach where Coastal Carolina is at. And we're driving, I was telling my wife, I said, boy, I hope we could find just a neat little barbecue spot. And about two miles later, <laughs> we go zooming by this cinder block place on the left-hand yeah, side. Those are the best. Yeah. And a quick U-turn, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, it's those types of things yeah. that are that are really, really neat. Do you have any places on our campuses that you must, like those hole-in-the-wall like places? Like a guilty pleasure spot that you go to? Well, Is there I, one that sticks out? I, I, I won't give a free promotion at this time, <laughs> but they're there. Call us if you want to. They are there. Yeah. At, at all of our schools. And uh, all you got to do is, you know, ask around. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, it, it maybe isn't always the most high profile place, but more often than not, they are just outstanding. Another thing I found out that when you like to travel or go places, is you like to find a good trivia spot. <laughs> and uh, I also found out that uh, you, you love to read, uh, love to read books about presidents uh, about war heroes and maybe some leaders or you know leadership books uh, like that. So, what what are some of those books that you read? And then uh, the trivia. How, how's the trivia game? Is it is is that your best category about presidents, about uh, war heroes, that kind of thing? Well, remember, I wanted to be a history professor yeah. at one time. I, I That's loved, good. loved history and, and and still do. And so I don't know that I. Uh, have a a favorite author, but I have, you know, like 
anything on Lincoln, I'm probably reading it or have read it. Anything on Kennedy, uh, Truman, uh, I've been diving into Roosevelt, both Roosevelt's uh, of late. All those types of things just fascinate me. And part of it is uh, they're leaders. And, and I try to learn from other leaders. And why did they make decisions the way they made it? How did they, how did they collect the information? How did they manage the pieces on the chessboard to get to where they are? So I, I look at those in fascination and, and look at and also, can, is there something I can learn from there? And then it's, it's, it's being in places where history has occurred. Yep. And, you know, and history's occurred all sorts of places. You know, you, you yeah. listen to me talk when I bring people to Cleveland. I talk about being here in our office hotel. Yep. There's been a hotel on this site since, what, 1815. Uh, we're a block away from where Abraham Lincoln spoke when he was traveling to Washington for his first inauguration. Things like that. I, I, that's all around us if you just pay attention. Well, since you're so good with all this president stuff, and we do know you like trivia, we're going to end this. We have three president trivia questions oh, for you. Put you on this the spot is not here. Good. <laughs> we're going to see. We're going to put you. They're on the multiple spot choice. Here. So yeah, we. Well, you might not. With how good he is, you might not. That's need multiple true. Choice, that's true. But we do have it if needed. So these are going to range from uh, easiest to most difficult. We just have three, three questions here. Which president served the shortest term? Oh God. We have. Richard Nixon, James Garfield, Zachary Taylor, or William Harrison? Harrison. Correct. Correct. <laughs> President Harrison, uh, 30 days in office after he passed away due to pneumonia. Caught pneumonia while after standing in the rain giving his inauguration. Oh, one for one. All right. Second one. Uh, what is the most common pre presidential first name? It's either A, John. B, Andrew, C, James, or D, William? Boy, do I get to call a landline or helpline? <laughs> Gosh, that's a good one. Kadeem in our office might know. <laughs> <laughs> what were my choices again? Uh, John, Andrew, James, or William? Oh, gosh. I'd say John or William. I, I have no idea. It is James. James. Six presidents had the first name James. Uh, Madison, Monroe, Polk, Buchanan, Garfield, and Carter counts because... Yes. Yep, that's a good one. Yeah. So uh, good the next com most common is John with four. Uh, last, and this is a tough one, <laughs> but you may know, which president had an alligator as a pet? <laughs> James Madison, Quincy Adams, John Tyler, or Andrew Johnson? I'll go with Andrew Johnson. No, Quincy Adams. Oh. He he kept his pet in the East Room of the White House. He had an alligator as a pet. When so. do we get a, get to get an alligator in the office? <laughs> you, had, you had to <laughs> dig deep on that <laughs> we one. Did. We, we did. did. <laughs> we did. We found him. Well, that's we we want to thank you for your time today. That was great stuff as usual. And uh, again, we we plan to hear from you a lot on this podcast with national issues going on. We didn't even really yeah, touch yeah. those. So. As those have come up and when you're in meetings and, and all these places that we don't get to go into and behind the scenes stuff, we're, we're going to be bringing you on and giving everyone a, a taste of that. So once again, Commissioner Steinbrecher, thank you for your time. Look forward to being with you again.
We hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Dr. John Steinbrecher, Commissioner of the Mid-American Conference. Jeremy, what, what did you think about our first interview? That was great. It was great spending time with uh, Commissioner Steinbrecher. The thing I enjoyed most is hearing about his athletic career, college yeah. days. Uh, just, again, very odd pairing of football and tennis, but he pulled it off. Yeah, he, he really did with the, I think I liked the part where he talked about, you know, how the, the road trips for tennis were so much different yeah. than, than yeah. football. Yeah, definitely. And his, and his moment, you know, almost reaching that end zone. That, yeah, that had to be something. I could, I could see I that actually, happening. I actually have a hilarious flag football story about yeah. that. It was the same thing. So we were down five with like, it was like the last play, you know what I mean? And I caught the ball. I was running down the sideline. Kid pushed me out at the one, and we lost the championship. Oh, it was, that's... and that's where I stopped playing football. Wow, well, a, little, started, a yeah. little fun fact for me is uh, I am a uh, intramural champion in college. Oh, uh, so am I. Flag, flag football, football. Yeah. yeah, two time. It's this, it was different, obviously at BG. There's probably a little better competition, but yeah, much better competition. I'm yeah. sure. Nah, than, nah. You know. <laughs> I don't even know if I could picture you catching a football. Well, the funny thing is, is I was going to say is uh, this should come as no surprise to anyone, but I was the center. (laughs) (laughs) So I snapped it, but sometimes I'd get passes out into the flat. Yeah. You can run out as center, right? Yes. You you have to Mm -hmm. wait a bit. And my blocking skills in flag football were non-existent. So I would just wait my little time and boom. I was out there in the flat. I would get us on average about three point three yards. You're you're the Julian Edelman of of BG flag football. No, I'm like eligible, uh, you know, an eligible lineman for a pass. <laughs> That's more of what I was. That's exactly what I was. <laughs> but we won a title, and I'm a team guy. Yeah, absolutely. You're such I, a, I such a team player. I'll be center all day long. You give mm-hmm. me championships. Mm-hmm. What was your biggest takeaway from John's? Uh, I think just hearing about what he does on the road. You know, he's on the road so much, talking to so many different people that it's it's interesting to hear. Uh, that type of perspective when he when he goes on the road. So that was probably my favorite part. Yes, yeah, just being able to sit down with him. We don't get much time. Yeah, we see right. him in, obviously in the office and doing what we need to do. But to sit down, have a good conversation, and provide that to you all uh, was a great uh, opportunity for us. And I can't could, uh, again can't wait to continue that. Yeah, he's he's obviously a busy guy, always taking calls and 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 meetings. So yeah, great great opportunity for us to sit down with him. Yeah, well, with that, this is our marks our first show. We we did it. We got through it. Yeah, we'll we'll see maybe next week if we make it to number two. We yeah, if we're we're if we're not off air, uh, <laughs> I, I think we'll have a second show. I I have good you have feelings faith? about that, but a week, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I want to thank Commissioner Steinbrecher once again for coming on and taking his time to to speak with us today. Don't forget that you can follow everything Mac-related on our official Twitter account at Mac Sports. You can follow this podcast at Call to Maction. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, it's available on, let's see, Apple, Spotify, our website, GetSomeAction.com, and also SoundCloud. If you can't find it, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, with that, get some action. Get some action. Get some action.